Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 110. We are proud members of the Exceptional Podcast Network. I'm Matt Hot, joined as always in the South, in the heart of Kentucky, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Hi, Michelle. I almost forgot. It's the Bluegrass State, right? It is the Bluegrass State. And coming from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, it's Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. On today's episode, Ashley Hamlin from Therapy Travelers sits down with Michelle. Uh, Therapy Travelers is a travel therapy company. We're also going to be talking about the importance of sleep, a new FDA certified speech therapy app. The informed SLP stops by to look at the amount of minutes required for morphological outcomes. Uh, we've got our SS pod due process and the shout outs. And also we're going to be looking at something from ASHA. And because of the popularity of last week's hot seat, it will return. But this week, Michelle, you are going to sit on the uh, SS pod hot seat. But before all that, the most important people we want to hear from is you at home. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Uh, from there, you can email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. You can give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. There's links to our Patreon, patreon.com slash speechsciencepodcast. Links to the Discord, which is discord.speechsciencepodcast.com, which, Michelle, you signed up for last week. Mike, you got to get on the Discord, man. I'll get there, man. Uh, and also, you can also interact with them. You can also, also interact, guys. I am a speech therapist. I do this for a living. Hashtag SSPod. I got that all out of the way. Let's start it off like we always do. Mike, tell me something good that happened this past week. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much one straight month in now to teletherapy. Uh, really gaining some traction, getting really comfortable with it. Uh, parents are fully on board. 
Um, I really discussed it last week, how it really um, adds to the potential and the possibilities to parent collaboration and parent and parent interaction. It's so much more than just talking to a parent in a crowded waiting room for five, 10 minutes. Uh, the ability to talk to them, see what's going on behind the scenes and, uh, and discussing goals and, var and various things to discuss with the student. It's been, it's been going really well. I think teletherapy certainly has its merits. It has its challenges, of course. But now one month in, I'm feeling really good about it. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty awesome. I don't think we can hear Matt right now. Yep. Yeah. I don't know when my <laughs> mic went muted. I am really worried how much I was able to say. Did you guys get to hear my whole intro? Uh, we, we heard the intro. We did not okay. hear your response to Mike. Okay, Michelle no, did a great good. job picking up picking up the slack there. All right, no good, Mike. <laughs> I was just about to ask you. I'm like, are you? Do you think you will go uh, full time or more full time or more options into teletherapy when this is all done? Um, I think it's certainly a possibility, uh, especially with parents traveling and like if my clinic is far away. But you know, I, I really love teletherapy now. I'm getting used to it. But honestly, honestly, I hope not. Uh, we okay. have we have an awesome awesome clinic uh, that's really you know beautifully set up for the, for some of the older kids and the younger kids. It's just a great place, a great work environment. Uh, I would much rather be physically at work than doing teletherapy. That's fair. Yeah. Michelle, how have your week been? How have your how has your week been? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing well here. We celebrated Easter in a quiet, unique, family only way. Mm -hmm. um, as many people did, but it was, it was actually pretty good. Um, unlike Mike, I'm on my fourth week of not working, of being unemployed ah. because of, of everything going on. So that is still a big question mark again, probably like many of our listeners. So, um, have you filed for unemployment yet? So looking into uh -oh. it, not sure if I totally qualify, uh, but considering it. So there's just many factors. So yeah. So I filed for unemployment when I worked at a TV station that went bankrupt about 10, 12 years ago, right before I became a speech pathologist. And it took like six weeks for them to turn it around to get me money. Mm -hmm. And then I was off of it a week later. I was like, well, that was not helpful at all. Thank you, guys. Well, they've also there. Have you heard that some of the state's unemployment systems are on, you know, systems that were made in the 80s that they're yeah. trying to find programmers and and people who can read these programs from 30 years ago because it wasn't updated and now they've got thousands of applicants to process the good old us of a huh yeah so but, hey guys i'm thinking we weren't prepared for a pandemic i'm just just gonna go on a limb here no i don't think anyone oh was. yeah yeah I, I don't know why I think there were people who, like scientists, who knew this was coming, <laughs> but, uh, but I watched a video of George Bush from 2000 or 2001 talking about the need to be prepared for a pandemic. Have you seen Bill Gates' TED talk about it? No. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. wait, yeah. yes, where he says, "Yeah." He pretty much described everything that's happening. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but on a lighter note about language things, baby speech yes. science, who is full on toddler speech science, my son James. Awesome is oh this is the first time we've used his name on air every time i say his name you say that oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all the listeners know about james except me except for, except for the host um but he's talking it's so fun to see language development in my own house even though pediatric is 
my love and my expertise. And I talk to parents about it all the time. But to see it happen with my own kid, he has hit that language boom of learning five to like 15 new words a day. He's putting together little sentences. It's just such a fun thing to experience. Mm -hmm. So I guess if there's a blessing in not working right now That's is awesome. that I'm seeing that every day. That, that, I, and that entire period of language acquisition is really quite possibly my favorite thing about being an SLP. It's just, it's just so fascinating to me how we acquire language and how, how you go from someone who can do absolutely nothing independently to be able to functionally communicate. Um, and specializing in executive functioning, you learn that uh, right along language acquisition comes executive function acquisition, and they move right along a nice uh, you know, a parallel plane there together. But just going, you know, between that eight, those ages of two and five and being able to communicate in various ways, it's, it's fascinating. On his own the other day, we were finishing breakfast and he loves airplanes and helicopters and they fly over our house every day because we live on a military base. Right. And so he runs to the window, shouts out like airplane and on his own goes, I see you airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my husband and I both looked at each other and we're like, he just said that. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That is the coolest thing ever. I, 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 this is not a slight towards anyone that has never worked with infants or have seen like a typically developing kiddo, but I felt like me personally, I became a better therapist and understanding language and executive functioning development, watching my oldest and now my, my youngest who will soon be my middle kid, uh, develop because like, I think we get so used to working with delay or deficit that you kind of forget what is expected. And I remember the first time my oldest, you know, put together a four word utterance and I was thinking about writing a goal for a high school kid. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to change the way I'm looking at this because I am thinking incorrectly for one of these two, two age ranges. And it's probably wrong for both. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I do the exact same thing in terms of uh, parent coaching and giving them tips to provide to provide structure in the home uh, for executive functioning, like in terms of screens and this and that, and to be more vigilant. And I'm sure my entire, I, like I'm not a parent yet. So I really, I'm sure all of my viewpoints are going to change when that eventually happens. My whole viewpoint on screens have changed. Thanks to being locked into the house with my kids 24 seven. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Absolutely. It was like before I was like, Mike, Andrew, please don't play video games. Now I'm like, guys, just just go play a video game. Like, stop fighting, stop yelling. My, my son own was... screen time has gone up too, so I can't. Oh say yeah, much. I felt terrible last night. My my oldest was like flipping a keychain, and it just kept hitting the floor as he was trying to catch it. And I think at one point I was like, Bud, go go find some carpet and do that. Like, and he's like, Why? And I was like, So you don't break the keychain, like. It has nothing to do with the loud rattle sound that your keychain has made. Uh, for me, the past week, uh, Easter, uh, today was the very first day I did a live therapy session through teletherapy. So that was terrifying until everyone logged in, and then it was awesome. Like, it was really kind of cool. Yeah, what did you like about it? What went well? Um, I, the, the group acted about the same way they did in person, which was really cool. And to be honest, I felt like I had more control over what they were seeing. And yeah. my one kid that is kind of cautious and quiet, 
uh, was totally sarcastic and was able to text or because uh, there's an option where you can either type answers or verbally say them. And the typed answers were super sarcastic and were making me laugh uh, while doing <laughs> therapy. And I was like, I don't even know this side of this kid exists. This is kind of cool. You're tapping into a different side of some different students. Trying to. I also organized my office and put away all my action figures like the 40-year-old virgin. So, you know. Nice. I'm living the best life over here. Sell it on eBay. <laughs> no, I'm watching my youngest play this game called the Goat Simulator. I've heard of that. And I don't know if I need to be terrified or awesome. Because my son calls, and I don't know if I've ruined him. And Mike, maybe you're the, the EF guy. You can explain this to me. So in the game, you can switch your characters. And he calls the giraffe the tall goat. I think that's awesome. I think like, that's, that's actually great. a pretty that's really solid cool. description. And he's like, tall goat, you get a jetpack. And he puts on the jetpack and flies them around the screen. And then they lick cars and the gas station blows up. Yeah. That is legit a sequence in the game. But that's classic language <laughs> development right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Finding a way to label that item and he yeah, doesn't know the name fair. of it. Yeah. At the end of the day, what's a, what's a giraffe? Why is it called a giraffe? Why? I don't know. You know what I mean? See? See? Tall so there goat. you go. So let him go with Ugh. it. Maybe. I mean, tall goat is almost a better description. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Got a descriptor oh, in there. Awesome. All right. So every week we salute somebody. We look at the SS Pod shout out. That is your opportunity to let us know about somebody who is doing something somewhere, something awesome. And this week, Michelle, what is our SS Pod shout out? Uh, well, you asked me, and now I don't have it open right now. You've linked it in the <laughs> chat. I, I know. I've got it now. Don't worry. A Texas special ed teacher who is actually using his stimulus check uh, to make masks for his students. So it's That's basically awesome. a short article to give a shout out to him. Let me get his name. He is a an out-of-work special ed teacher in Texas. Um, Ruben, I probably say it wrong, but Caceres, who works for the Dallas Independent School District before buildings were closed. Um, he got out his sewing machine at home and got it up and running. So the quote from him was, I wanted to make the mask for my kids. I wanted to give them something they would be able to wear so that if they wanted to take them outside, I'm assuming parents, they would still be protected. That's awesome. awesome. Way to go, Ruben. The SS Pod shout out. And, and like then it. here's the every school SLP or teacher out there can relate to this. And he said he works with students who are severely disabled and medically fragile. And he said, quote, if it was up to me, I would dress up in a hazmat suit and go to every single house and work with them. Yeah, oh, look at that. If you know somebody that would be interesting for an SS pod shout out, hit us up on our email speech science podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the Instagrams or Twitters. The SS pod shout out. Spell it like you think SS pod shout out. They, can, the also, they can also text us, right? Oh, yeah. 614-681-1798. Did I just memorize that phone number for the first time in three years? I'm proud of you. I think you did. I did. 681-1798. Area code 614. Also, if you've got something that you want to complain about, that is our opportunity to take it to the court of public opinion. It is the SS Pod due process. And I think it's okay to say this week we don't have an SS Pod due process. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't have one. I do not have one either. Awesome. All right. So if you have something that you need to complain all the ways before, text, phone call, 614-681-1798. 
email speech science podcast at gmail.com or hashtag SS pod due process. Let us know what is aggravating you and we will take it to the court of public opinion. All right. Coming up, we will talk about an FDA uh, awarded speech therapy app. But first, a trio of uh, articles, one from the Journal of Speech Language and Hearing Research, one from the American Journal of Speech Language Pathology, and the other one from Science Direct, all linking sleep, the importance of sleep in cognition, the importance of sleep in memory and language, and the importance of sleep in phonological learning in children across language and autism spectra. I feel like this is basic, but also at the same time, how many times do we run into clients, either adults or children, who say, oh, I slept terrible last night. They were up all night. I drank eight cups of coffee before bed. They're cranky. They're not paying attention. There's research that says sleep really affects that executive functioning in the language. Well, I'll add in too, how many therapists, teachers, yep. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was taking a drink as you said that. Um, who also are not getting the sleep that we all know we mm-hmm. need. Even doctors. My one friend who is a doctor talked about that um, when she was going through med school. And even now as a doctor, especially when she was in residency, you know, they're the ones who are preaching to patients to say sleep X number of hours a day don't drink more than x number of cups of coffee um, eat this sort of nutritious thing but they're just surviving to get through that training and surviving on not enough sleep too much caffeine not the right kinds of foods Mm -hmm. yeah i drink half a pot of coffee a day by the way do you really i do so i've got this big old cup it's my star wars cup and it legit fits half a pot of coffee in it you drink it all at once uh before noon (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty I start about eight laughs. that's impressive man i start about eight what kind of coffee is it uh it's pete's straight black oh <laughs> is it is it still hot when you're finishing it yes yes it will warm it is delicious so okay so how about the due process goes to you <laughs> but you know, like much caffeine but if you guys know me in the afternoon i am wired and then i crash in the evenings might be a caffeine issue but no when we look at the uh, the effect of sleep on cognition and the sleep on a executive functioning i always have to tell my patients that like their brain is so impacted by water food and sleep that if you're not taking care of those three things i can't do effective therapy course absolutely there's there are so many things that you know affect the overall functioning whether it be you know the overall diet like a, a good night a good night's sleep is hard to come by and the same thing with maintaining a healthy diet it's so much easier to go to the corner store and get a couple of snacks for five bucks than to go and get a nice organic you know fruits mm-hmm. vegetables and everything else uh, and, and this is really, you know, we, we focus so much on what the client is doing in the here and the now, and there's so much happening behind the scenes that are truly affecting them. And, and, think, and think about how this affects diagnostics overall. Uh, what's happening before? So much goes into these diagnostics, diagnostic exams, the way that this system is set up. We don't know what's happening in the, the nights and the days before we're doing all of yep. this crucial testing. I tell patients and I tell families that it may take up to 24 hours for the effects of, of sleep or no sleep to catch up to them. 
And, and I kind of put it in the idea that if you're up real late on Sunday night, Monday, you're probably going to wake up okay. But then Tuesday, you're really going to be dragging. So, Mike, you're right. It's the days leading up to that. And it's the sleep hangover. That's what I call it, that I'm not tired oh, the I next like that. day after it. Like if I have a really short night, I'm thinking when my son doesn't sleep or <laughs> when he was tiny and waking up every two hours, um, that it wasn't the day after. I would usually be okay. It was about 48 hours later, the second night. That was the worst. Uh, the one article from Victoria Noland uh, states that a period of sleep but not waking hours was associated with improvement on phonological learning tasks uh, in children. The next article by Emily Morrow stated that research increasingly points to the critical importance of sleep quality and quantity to memory and language. And then in the third article by Gonzola uh, Labarca looked at and said that... Uh, the effect of sleep, and they actually looked at CPAP, showed an increase in cognition. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you know anybody who uses a CPAP machine, they'll tell you it's a night and day difference for them on quality yep. of sleep because they thought they were sleeping well, but they weren't. I've lost like 40 pounds, and my wife said I had sleep apnea, and she still thinks I do, but I would swear that since losing the weight, my sleep has improved, and then also my like shortness or attitude uh short or i should say short temper my attitude and my like problem solving skills have increased in so much in the last three months i've also started drinking half a pot of coffee in those three months so isn't there some research that talks about <laughs> yeah fair enough but isn't there research i'd have to find it that talks about we you can improve your iq actually that globally if everybody actually slept we would improve our average iq i have no mm, idea interesting I believe it. Let's find out. <laughs> Everyone, listen to the podcast, pause it, come back in eight hours after a nice night of rest. So much easier <laughs> said than done when all you people are quarantined together at home. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think it's kind of an interesting thing that like we always look at what we're doing wrong and maybe why we're not seeing growth. And maybe we need to take a grander look sometimes at that student that's, you know, we always look to make sure they're dressed well and get enough food, but are they getting enough sleep? I can't tell you how many times I go to get a, pay, a student and the teacher says, hey, they've had a rough night. They're taking a nap. And it's like, you know what? That's more important sometimes. Or I go to a patient's house and they're like, yeah, I know I told you an hour ago you could come over, but I'm going to bed. Have a good night. <laughs> now, I I thought the one article, let's see, which one is which one? Asha? Sleep supports memory and learning from mm -hmm. Asha Wire, implications for clinical practice. Um, I didn't get to finish looking through all of it, but I was fascinated. Did any of you look at the part on the memory phase of they were talking about how sleep specifically impacts um, encoding, consolidation, and retrieval of new vocabulary? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of interesting because it kind of gave me the idea that the longer, the, the more restful the sleep, the better the storage. Hmm. At least that's how I interpreted it, which take a grain of salt evidently <laughs> yeah but yeah it is like you said it's the common sense information that we all know we should sleep more but we don't implement it or how much sleep do you guys get a night that's a great question i think there's something like isn't there like something on your phone or that tracks mm -hmm. it or something like that the health app on the iphone 
I know for a fact. How for does it me, track your sleeping though, or just you not using? I think your it's phone? like I think You're yeah, I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, but like I know for me that if I get less than like six and a half hours of sleep, seven hours of sleep, I am pretty much useless. Like you I can should feed, totally be getting more than that. More I can six. feed my kids and make sure they don't fall down the stairs, but active engagement with anything moving, not going to happen. But if I get more than 10 hours of sleep, I'm also pretty useless. My sweet spot is like eight to nine hours of sleep. I've also adopted a wonderful melatonin every now and then. And oh my gosh, that stuff knocks you out, guys. Yeah, melatonin. That, does, that does help. I agree. Evidently, maybe I need that because I'm drinking half a pot of coffee. So maybe I should cut one or both of those out of my diet. Doesn't that stuff give you like crazy dreams, though? It did. And then I just passed out through those. Okay. Melatonin does? <laughs> Actually, Actually, it does. Yeah, it, does. That's what yeah, I heard. It, gave me a, it gave me a wicked crazy dream the first time I ever took it. You had a dream that you had a podcast. No, I had a weird dream that I was like <laughs> free falling in front of a train and then I could also see everything in my room. And then I realized that my eyes were open for like 10 minutes straight while I was dreaming. That's a nightmare. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. How much sleep are you getting at home? Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com or phone call or text 614-681-1798 or hashtag SSPod. Our second topic today is about an app called Constant Therapy. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. It's from the Learn... Have you, Michelle? No. I have not. I didn't mean to cut you off. I saw you shaking your head, so I apologize. It's Forget, all good. Forgot that we're podcast, not video. <laughs> but no, it's from the learningcore.com. And I actually used the Constant Therapy app, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But the FDA grants the Learning Core Breakthrough Device designation for speech therapy uh, app. Uh, it's designed to provide accessible cognitive speech and language therapy to stroke patients. Uh, on one side, I'm a little nervous because it talks about using an AI and uh, an app to deliver speech therapy. But on the other side, I have used this before w with my patients and it's not a bad app at all. I'm definitely curious to learn more about it. And I want to know who developed it, you know, the background story on it of were SLPs part of this and could it be useful for a carryover for, ther for therapy patients that we're working with? Yeah, everything that AI is going to be doing for our field over the next mm -hmm. 10 years, it's like it's things that are that we can't even conceive right now. So the fact that something like this is already starting to to kind of creep up on us is is pretty incredible. Was well, this kind of pushed through given the whole pandemic situation? That I don't know. Like the article doesn't say it says per the FDA, the breakthrough device program is for certain medical devices that provide more effective treatment or diagnosis of light threatening or irreversible irreversibly debilitating diseases or condition. Uh, it huh. applies to its patient use in the post-discharge phase to improve cognition, speech, and or language abilities in adults. Uh, there we go. So I've used this app before, and it is 100% free for clinicians. So you can go over to their website, uh, thelearningcore.com slash constant dash therapy. Uh, and I have used this before, and I've never used it with, like I never gave it to a patient as homework, but I've always used it with them because I felt like what I was offering was, was helpful. Uh, but they have a bunch of different quote unquote games on there or exercises. And some of the exercises that are on there are identifying real words, 
um, match written words, alphabetizing word problems, understanding written word problems, spelling what you hear, uh, count syllables, identifying rhymes, understanding voicemails, which is huge, um, finding the same symbols, money math. The one that I really like that they have on here is a following directions activity or exercise where it'll say like place the umbrella on top of the X and then like, you know, and then you can go all the way up to like nine step directions. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And it's a hundred percent free from the therapy side. I definitely, the thing I liked about it most was that it felt like when I was going into a home, I felt like I had a whole speech room um, at my fingertips. That's cool. Yeah. I, I want to see this. Like I, I want to hold something that has this because this looks really interesting and useful for a lot of people. So con like if you have an iPad, go download constant therapy. You can sign up as a free clinician. Sweet. They, they make their money to be honest by asking the patient to sign up for a homework plan. Okay. And then the idea is, is that, you as the as the therapist can assign them homework and then you can check in with them on how they're doing with their homework but it's, it's like cool. yeah but it's like 20 or 30 bucks a month for for the patients which if if they're able to utilize that yep 30 dollars like a, a day or 30 dollars a month a day 25 dollars a, a month i'm sorry dollar a day 25 dollars a month mm -hmm. i like it yeah, it's it's super interesting. Like I said, it feels like you're carrying a whole therapy uh, office or clinic in your backpack. The only downside is that you need constant access to Wi-Fi. And I think that's one of the reasons I stopped using it was that uh, my iPad stopped. You can't use it off the net. Correct. It has to be on the net. And I was working in nursing homes that had very terrible cell phone service. So I couldn't even hotspot my phone to the device. So it's yeah. been about four years since I've used the the app, actually. Three or four years. But I used it with kids, too, because it's wonderful. It's like you need a real-world task. Here's a voicemail. Let's listen to the voicemail and figure out what we're supposed to pull out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I think I actually just talked myself back into re-downloading it to my iPad and start using it this week. I know. You've talked me into downloading it. So <laughs> there you go. I like the free part. <laughs> so. But, yeah, I don't know much about this FDA grant like grant like device designation for it but as long as we have to stay with a therapy person involved with it i'm okay with it i want to look up what else they've approved under that because i'm just curious I'm, I'm guessing there's some cutting edge technology that they're looking at yeah i don't know i've never heard of it until this conversation and when i found it before the show oh here we go the fda.gov breakthrough devices uh, is my device eligible? First criteria, more effective treatment. Second criteria, meets at least one of the following. Breakthrough tech, no approved or cleared alternate exists. And a couple other. Oh, that's really cool. All right, we'll have the link over in the show notes. But no, it does not list what has already been uh, labeled. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So... Coming up after the break, the informed SLP. Uh, Found talks, it. Recently oh, approved devices. Anything good? Uh, da, 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 da. It looks like I got to dig through to see the actual names. <laughs> <of it. laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Coming up after the break, 
The informed SLP tells us how much therapy time you might be needing for morphological phoneme improvement. Also, we have the hot seat uh, with Michelle. But Michelle, first, uh, you had a very cool uh, sit-down interview with a travel therapist, which ultimately is my retirement job. I want to spend the spring in Maine and the summers in Alaska and the winters in Hawaii. So can I do that from your interview? Um, probably you should talk to <laughs> Ashley Hamlin. She recruits for therapy travelers and I cross paths with them at ASHA had a chance to set up an interview with her. Um, what I liked about it is it's not about selling that therapy company, but just talking in general about, um, about travel therapy and what, if you're looking into it, what questions to ask and what to look for in a company. Awesome. Nice. That'll be right after the break. You're listening to Speech Science. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders Podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome to Speech Science. This is Michelle Wintering. Have you heard of SLPs doing travel therapy? I'm guessing you have. Maybe you've considered it yourself or have friends from grad school who have done contracts or are working that now. And today I'm here with Ashley Hamlin from Therapy Travelers. And I believe your title, tell me if I get this right, is a national school recruiter with them. It is, yep. Wonderful. And you can always find out more at therapytravelers.com. But um, I had a chance to meet Ashley in person. We connected at ASHA in Florida, sunny Florida, and it's freezing cold here. Uh, you are currently located where? In Atlanta. In Atlanta. So, so a little, not probably a little warmer cold than as me. you, but yep. still cold. Yeah, yep. and I'm uh, I'm in Kentucky. We connected both originally from Ohio, so we had that connection too. But um, Ashley, if you can just tell us who you are and how did you come to work for Therapy Travelers? Sure. Um, so I started recruiting about six years ago, so right out of college. And it kind of is unique how I fell into the role of recruiting. I don't think anybody really goes to college and thinks, oh, can't wait to be a headhunter once I graduate or a recruiter. <laughs> just always seems to fall in our laps some way. But with me, it was my freshman year of college. Um, I just randomly had a professor who was asking us in one of our classes, you know, is anybody looking for a part-time job? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, gosh, I just took a test in this class. It was a math, like basic math test freshman year. Did not do well. Math is not my forte. So I'm thinking, <laughs> um, I will like, hello, me. So I told him, yeah, sure. Like I'm open to a part-time job. 
And he starts to tell me about his daughter who at the time was 13 years old and had spinal muscular atrophy. And what he was saying is that every fall semester, he just basically makes an announcement like, hey, is anybody looking for a part-time job? Because he really wants somebody working with Chessa as a para at school sometime and a home aide that is not like an elderly woman that she feels like is following her around everywhere. Mm-hmm. So he tends to hire college students part-time. So anyways, it worked out. I ended up working with Chessa, um, like I said, as a para at school sometimes, but then also as a home aide. And um, was super random, but it worked out really well. And I worked with her all through college. And then um, once my senior year had come around, I remember thinking like, okay, I feel like I need to be working in special education, like definitely feels like my calling. Um, But I was almost done with college and, you know, student loans is a very real thing. So we can understand that. I guess. Yes, absolutely. So I was like, I think I'm going to just go ahead and, you know, graduate with my organizational communications degree and kind of figure out how I could still be a part of special education, but maybe from afar. Um, And then, so, you know, I'm thinking that and it's getting like two months away from graduating. And my parents are like, okay, so we know you're in Atlanta. We're in Ohio. If you don't find a job within a month of graduating, like, sorry, you're going to have to come back home. I'm like, nope, not going back, not happening. (laughs) So I used all my resources to try to network and see what type of job opportunities I could come across in Atlanta, and that's when my sister-in-law had told me about a company that her good friend worked for, and they do staffing and special education. So I didn't really care at that point. I was like, oh, cool. It's in special education. Don't really care what the job is. I just need a job because I'm not moving. And so I interviewed with them, got the job, um, started working as a recruiter, doing exactly what I'm doing here at Therapy Travelers. But at the time, it was with a much larger company that's been around for like, you know, 25 plus years, um, really learned the, you know, all the ins and outs of recruiting throughout my time there. So I spent about two and a half years there. And throughout that time, there were just so many changes. Like we went from being a team when I first started of like 15 people on the floor. And then by the time I was there for two and a half um, years, there was about like 55 on the floor. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of internal changes, cultural changes, all of that. And the environment that I once loved working in then became an environment where it felt like a true recruiting sales type role. Like it really wasn't about focusing on fostering and building relationships with therapists and teachers, but rather hitting your numbers, Um, you know, being a multi-million dollar company Um, just being very fast paced. If you have a licensure and you're breathing, great, cool. We'll put you in that job. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really just hit a wall and I felt like, okay, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, And I wanted to be a part of something more. Um, I wasn't a true salesperson that was just dying to hit all these goals and numbers and make a ton of money. That wasn't the purpose behind why, you know, I took that job to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I did resign from that job. Um, it was really hard, but I did. And then I went to a totally different industry. I was like, maybe I just 
maybe it's too good to be true that people genuinely want to help make a difference um, in such a industry that I care so much about. Like special education is not just, okay, here, I'm here to staff all these needs within, you know, this industry. It was a lot more to me than that. So anyway, I, I kind of kissed that goodbye. I went and did some accounting and finance recruiting. Um, and as I was there, a former colleague of mine from my last company, he was like, hey, I started working for this company called Therapy Travelers. It's awesome. You get to work from home. Like the culture is great. Um, the leadership's awesome, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Chase, like, I'm sure it's great, but too good to be true, I'm sure. <laughs> so he kept telling me about it. And eventually I was like, well, what do I have to lose? You know, I might as well give it a try and see if it really is as good as he's making out to be. So I did um, go ahead and submit my resume. And I remember I randomly get a call from this California number. I'm holding a ton of groceries in my apartment complex, like breathing heavily. And I get this call and I'm like, that's weird. So I answer it. And it's Geneva Milne, who's the president of Therapy Travelers. But at the time, I had no idea who that was. Like, I, I didn't even get a chance to like actually research and like do all that stuff you're supposed to do before an interview. So I answered the phone. She's like, hey, it's Geneva with Therapy Travelers, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was just so relaxed and just so chill that I was like, okay, she's probably like HR, you know, admin, like something just like vetting out candidates. I'm like, whatever. I'm just totally telling her how much, you know, I disliked my last job and, you know, whatever. I'm not being super you're, professional. You're way of an open book, right? <laughs> yeah, way. And I'm like huffing and puffing with all these groceries, like not caring. And I ended up talking with her for probably, you know, almost an hour. And it was, just I, I left that conversation thinking one who did I just talk with like she's obviously scheduling all these interviews and stuff but it was just such a good conversation like I left that first initial interview thinking I feel like I just talked with a friend and like she knows me like I got to know her she got to know me it wasn't really like hey tell me about all the goals that you've hit or all of your accomplishments so I was like okay that was cool then when I found out that she was the president of Therapy Travelers, I was like, holy moly, okay, I guess it's not too good to be true. So I went through like the whole interview process. It was like a three-step process. And that in itself spoke volumes to me because in recruiting and sales, a lot of people don't realize the vetting process of hiring people on as a recruiter with much larger companies it's not like a long process. It's really like, okay, you've got a degree, um, you know, you, you can speak eloquently or like, well, and you know, whatever, like you're hired on okay. kind of thing. Like it doesn't take a lot to get hired on. And that might sound terrible, but I guess it depends on the company. But with them, there was a lot more to it. Like I even interviewed with a psychologist at the very end. Like they just want to make sure that they're making the right hires because their culture means so much to them and the people that represent this brand. Um, so anyway, that was, that was really huge. And I ended up taking the job. Obviously I remember being on, I think it was the second interview and I was just like, Oh my gosh, can I just have this job? <laughs> like just offer it to me. I'll take it. Um, but I've been with them ever since. So it's been 
about a year and a half only. It hasn't even been that long, but it's been such a great change for me. And so I know that was a really long explanation on how I got here, but um, that's kind of my journey and, and how I got here. Well, thank you for that too, because I know I've been curious about you know, who are these people <laughs> that I talk to yeah. where I get phone calls or text messages from ever since graduating grad school. And mm -hmm. it's definitely different to um, connect face-to-face -face with someone and kind of realize the backstory right. of it too. Uh, sure. Now, I yeah. am curious because you did touch, uh, I'll touch on this a little later, but you touched on, I think, what are some of the fears that people have about um, travel therapy. But also, mm -hmm. if you can just tell us, you, you touched on it some, but I'm curious a little bit more about therapy travelers. You said based out of California, but uh, what mm -hmm. settings do you place people in and what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so we are, we're, we're based out of Long Beach. Um, I would say compared to most other companies that are in this industry, we're a lot more like boutique style. Um, and we've been around since 2012. Um, we have about, I think at this point, we've got like 13 to 15 recruiters on our team. And we staff all across the nation. So even though we're based out of Long Beach, like we have some recruiters that don't work out of California. For example, myself, I work in Atlanta, but every day I'm in constant communication with my team. I see them a couple times a year, um, but we are, we're partnering with school districts nationwide and that's it. So we're not doing the home health or the medical setting. It really truly is just schools. Um, and it could be anywhere from a public school to charter school, um, really wherever the need is, that's where we're gonna partner and make sure that we help staff their needs for the kids. Um, we staff all disciplines. So under the special education umbrella, we're staffing all of it. So BCBAs, school psych, obviously SLPs, but SLIP is too, um, any discipline that works in the special education department within the schools. Okay, yeah, and you mentioned slippers as well because I know California is one state that has quite a, a good number Lots of, of SLPs. Yeah, yes, we have so many openings all the time, um, and also in Cal. Well, this is kind of taking a detour, but um, we do waivered SLPs too. So as long as you are in a graduate program, um, we can put you as a waivered SLP, and that goes towards like your credits for school but then also you're getting the experience as a speech therapist without your actual degree yet with like your master's, I mean. So is that um, similar to so someone you, who is working as an SLPA through grad school? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And I but think that's very cool unique. Is, Sorry. I'm, oh, I think is. that's very unique. We've talked about it different times and I know Asha is looking at potentially down the road developing an SLPA um, certification. Uh, I've heard, mm -hmm. I've heard that in discussion as well, because having worked in a few different States now, I see it where in Ohio, they don't even license them. Recognize California, it. Yeah. They do New in Jersey. Texas, they do in Colorado, they do, but they're not utilized a ton. Like it's, it's, it's fascinating mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. It's crazy. And the thing is, and like in New Jersey, I met so many uh, speech therapists that are in the schools they're like, we are drowning, like caseloads of like 115 on average. And they're like, we're working weekends, like crazy hours, yet they don't understand why SLPAs are not being recognized. And then on the flip side, I have flippas that are calling me from New Jersey and being like, hey, I've got my degree, 
what do I do with it now? Like, I, I'm not recognized in New Jersey. So it's really, I mean, I hope that something comes of it soon because people are truly, I mean, one, SLPs are totally overworked right now in a lot of states, but then also, two, these flippas are like without jobs and working as paraprofessionals or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that just to try to get by until they figure out what to do. So, yeah, And it's, it is interesting because I, I wish that it was more... I can say I wish a lot, but I wish it was more uniform, like many things across state lines, because um, especially in the schools, they seem to use utilize SLPAs more often. But um, mm-hmm. I know that there, you know, there are things that SLPAs can do and then cannot do just based on training and licensure, but that varies state by state. So it's, it can get complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which in that case, Michelle, that's when travel therapy becomes, okay, here's a reason why travel therapy is a good solution because it's like okay well that might be the case in that state but as long as you can get licensed in a different one we can help get you there in working so now with I don't know, um, therapy, no that that's exactly that leads right into my next question for you too but yeah uh, therapy travelers do you tend to do quarterly contracts I've heard the 13 weeks before is it a school? yeah Mm-hmm. So it all, we work on pretty much all of it. The only thing that we don't do as a company that some others do is we don't do like per diem type positions within the schools or, you know, just doing evaluations, you know, a couple hours a week or something like that. The minimum that we work on is going to be at least a month long. So the position has to be at least a month long. Um, but then also, too, it can't be less than two days a week. So even if you're doing one of those, like, okay, this school just needs help with the evaluation, you're still going to have a guaranteed number of hours per week throughout the duration of that contract. And that contract can be anywhere from filling in a maternity medical type leave all the way to, you know, a quote unquote long term contract, which means the entire school year, which is typically about nine months. Gotcha. So and how many what states, I do with, sorry, yeah, go ahead. How no, many states um, do you all have therapy therapists in now with therapy travelers? So we work nationwide. Um, we don't staff in Hawaii and we don't staff in Puerto Rico, um, but everywhere else we do work. Wow. So we're growing. I, I know we're very heavy on um, the West Coast, the Midwest. Um, pretty much all over the place. Even in the year and a half that I've been here, it's just crazy how much we've grown and how many more school districts in these other states that we never partnered with before, like South Dakota or Iowa, you know, those places we're working in now. So it's pretty awesome. So what are the um, biggest pros and cons, or I guess most frequently asked questions that you get as a recruiter? Yeah. Well, the pros and cons question, people will ask me, okay, well, why would I do this and not go direct with a district? Duh. It's like the number one question all the time, especially with people who are new to contracting. And what I always tell people is it's not going to be for everybody. I mean, I, I definitely am a firm believer that some people just do better as a district employee, especially if they just want to stay somewhere for you know, their entire career, 10 plus years or whatever it is that they want to stay at a district. Um, But the positives in contracting, I would say, number one, it gives you the opportunity as 
a traveler to really go out and try whatever state that you want to, as long as you're licensed there. Um, you're not tied down to like a multiple year contract to where it seems like a nightmare to get out of it. If you do decide, even as a new grad, like, hey, I'm trying out the schools for the first time. It might not be a good fit, but in the back of your mind, you'll know, I'm just covering a contract assignment for this set period of time. If it's not good, a good fit for me, that's okay. Um, so you can, you know, get out of your contract or whatever, you know, you, you seem think is the best fit for you, um, but you're not like locked into this position for a very long time. Um, the other, especially with therapy travelers, is just going to be around the support that you get. So what I hear a lot from SLPs is, okay, I'm working in the district, dealing with so many politics, um, super overworked, like, as a district employee, they're taking work home with them all the time. Like, I actually just talked to a slipper today that was like, I had to quit my job because I was working until like two or three in the morning every night. Then I was still having to be at work by 730 and work with these kids all day. I'm completely just drowning in work and I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. So with contracting, that's not the case because you have a set number of guaranteed hours per week and it's an hourly pay rate. So you're not a salaried employee to where you're just expected to get the work done, however long it takes you to get it done. Um, but then also through us, you're not having to do like the extra, which I know some people enjoy this. So if you do, that's great. You can still do it. But um, per our contracts, you're not having to do like the extra lunch duty, bus duty, those types of roles that typically you have to do as a district employee, because through us, you're just focusing on your therapy, your speech therapy, and your caseload. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a team of people behind us, or behind you, sorry, at Therapy Travelers that are going to be there for support. So at least with our company, we have, I mean, it's crazy how many resources that we have and provide our therapists. Um, so you'll get, once you come on assignment with us, you get a membership to speechpathology.com. Um, if you are a new grad, we will pair you up with a supervisor um, and we make sure that they're up to date with their CEUs and all of that because we've heard so many horror stories. Mm -hmm. um, but is that, that and a, then, a CFY supervisor that is employed or, or contracted through therapy travelers or is it local with whatever district I'd say it's probably in? like 50-50. So okay. if we're going through the interview process and, you know, they hire on a, a CF through our company, they'll either tell us right off the bat, like, hey, we've got Susie that has her C's. She supervises the SLPs within our district. Great. If she has room on her license and can supervise, that works. Um, but if, for instance, they don't have anybody that can supervise there, before you accept a position and sign a contract and all of that, we'll make sure that we have somebody that's signed on to supervise. Um, because, of course, we as a company don't want your license to be in jeopardy, but then also we could get in trouble too as a company. So we, we do a lot of vetting and making sure that, you know, our people are taken care of and have the proper supervision. Gotcha. Um, in addition to that, I would say another um, pro would be um, actually still along the lines of support, but you would be paired up with an additional like mentor and what's called a relationship manager. So this is a group of individuals on my team 
Um, but they're not recruiters and they're not necessarily like salespeople. Their whole purpose and their role is to make sure that they're there as a support system for the teachers and therapists that we have on staff, but you'll actually be assigned to one particular individual upon accepting a position. And they're really just staying up with you throughout your assignment, making sure that you're not running into any issues. And these people have been in their role for quite a while, so they can offer like actual advice, um, more so than just the surface level, like recruiter, like, hey, yeah, you'll get through it. Um, they're really helping you tackle whatever issues that you're dealing with. Um, and that's been, I mean, people can read it on our reviews. It's been really huge in terms of, you know, being just a helpful tool for our therapists. Is that something unique to therapy travelers? Yes, <laughs> I'd never heard of this before. Um, so it is something that the leaders here have put together and it's just, I mean, I don't know, like in, in my other roles, especially when I was doing the school staffing at the other company, the recruiter is doing everything. So you're not only speaking with the candidates, vetting them, making sure that they're all taken care of and, and get a job and all of that. You're also on what's called the sales side, which means that you're in communication directly with these school districts and you're uncovering these needs that these different schools have but then you're also having to be the support system you solely for all the people that you have out working um so here it's just super awesome to have a, a team of people designated to making sure that our people are taken care of and that they're happy um so yeah it's unique and it's completely awesome i mean i don't know what i would do without the relationship managers um, I, we kind of touched on it. So I think some of the cons make sense of not being a, you know, a district employee or mm -hmm. on the same type salary. Is that, is the mm -hmm. payment schedule our most, I don't even know how to phrase this, um, our, our most, uh, contract companies or therapy travel companies, is it a flat rate for that time? Or is it per hour? Like you said, um, 1099, yeah. how does that look? <laughs> Yeah, so that's a really good question. And actually, when you were, you know, you had emailed me and you were like, what are the pros and cons? The first thing that came to my mind as being a con is that there are seriously so many companies out there um, that do exactly what we do. And I think the biggest con is that when people are considering contract for the first time or new grads or whomever, how are you supposed to know what company to go with, especially when so many of them are bombarding you with these new jobs and, hey, come work with us. We're great. So I think that's the con is just having to be diligent as a speech therapist or whatever discipline within special education that's considering contracting and doing all the research that you can to try to figure out which company to go with. I feel like that's probably the biggest con. Um, but the good news is we're, we now live in a world where you have access to reviews and all these things online. So to anyone that's listening, all you speech therapists, do your research as you're being contacted by these contract companies, um, read the reviews, and then also to your point or your question, ask specific questions about compensation, about the benefits, about the support. If anything at all, if that's all you take away from this conversation or this podcast, that's it because every company operates so very differently when it comes to the support and the benefits and the pay. So with the pay, most contract companies have a set rate in place. 
with that school district that they're working with. So if I were to call you, Michelle, and you're the recruiter and I say, hey, we've got this SLP opening full time, um, you know, yada, yada. That's the conversation where more than likely that recruiter or salesperson is going to lock down a rate for that discipline. Then everybody that's a speech therapist that goes through that door to try to interview with this district is going to be paid the same, or there's like a $2 range that they're working with that they've agreed upon with the district. With us, that's not the case. We don't work that way. Um, we don't have set rates in place with, you know, all the districts that we work with because everyone's story is so very different, you know, obviously, and your experience level is different. So we are really negotiating in more of like a traditional way of using your experience to our advantage as we're negotiating a pay package for you. Um, but then more so figuring out what's your number one, like, is it money? Like, do we need to negotiate the highest that we can for you? Um, or, you know, what is it? Like, what are your push points? Um, so I always have a really thorough conversation with my candidates to get a better understanding of like, hey, we're going to negotiate on your behalf. Um, so I need to know what you need to make. Um, that's the only way that I can go about it. Because otherwise, we'll go through this whole process of interviewing, doing all this stuff. And then what if come to find out the pay rate is, you know, going to be way less. And I'm thinking in my head, no, that'll work for this therapist. She said she's flexible. It's like, you have to do your research too, as a speech therapist on what are the market trends that you find? Because you're right, every company or, you know, you're back to your question, they operate so differently that you want to know like what the market trends kind of look like. You can just simply Google it um, and, and see what you find. That way you can have those conversations with recruiters. Mm -hmm. And I think just like you said, we have access now to Google to crowdsourcing information on exactly. social media. To, I hope, to I know I went that. on a tangent, but I hope I answered your question. You did. Thank you. Okay. Um, now I do want to get to, you mentioned before we started recording a, a new program for specifically grad students. Yes. Um, so it's called University Relations. Um, we've always been pretty involved with colleges and universities across the nation, um, but we've now built this whole department within Therapy Travelers that solely focuses on building and fostering those relationships with these universities and colleges in hopes that we can be a huge resource for new grads. Um, just getting the word out that, you know, here's this option for you. You're going to get hounded by so many companies, but here's what we're about. Um, these are the benefits of going contract because when you're in school, and I'm sure, Michelle, you probably had this experience, you don't know. You graduate school, and then you hear from all these recruiters, and you're like, what is travel therapy? Like, what are these options that I have? Mm -hmm. So we just want to make sure that we're educating speech therapists on their options. Um, and the way that we do that is really going out and meeting with these cohorts and, you know, all these students. I know I was talking to Kimmy today, who's one of our VPs, and she handles like all the marketing and all of that. She was saying that within the next week and then last week, we've been in Pennsylvania, Utah, Texas, and North Carolina, just meeting with different colleges and universities. So it's just we have this huge push to just get the message out there 
um, to new grads so that you guys know what type of support and help you can get from us upon graduating. Um, and I think because just I know that CSY can be pretty daunting. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah. like you said a moment ago, just knowing the questions to ask. And I think coming out of grad yes. school, you don't always know that. I 10 years out, you no. don't always know that. But uh, when I you're know. changing jobs or locations or uh, settings. For sure. Yeah. So I think like going back to kind of the options that, that candidates do have, a lot of people, one of the biggest questions that they ask me is what's travel therapy, you know, obviously, but more so like, how do I qualify as a traveler? Um, so do you want me to maybe shed some light on that? Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's two options through our company. You could either be a local contractor, which means that you're working at a school district that's within 50 miles of your taxable home address. So wherever you have like your bank statement going, like, you know, that important mail, that's what you would call your permanent, you know, home address. And as long as that school district is within 50 miles, you're considered a local contractor, which means that you're not receiving the travel benefit. Um, if you're at a school that's over 50 miles one way, then you do qualify as a traveler, whether that's in the same state that you live in or a different state that you're licensed in. It doesn't matter as long as it's over 50 miles one way. And as long as it is, we're able to provide candidates with untaxed stipends per the IRS to go towards like your housing, your meals, really anything that goes into being a traveler, like being away from home, um, that's where that money is going to go towards. And so it makes a huge difference in the sense that on a travel package, I would say probably about 60% of your weekly take-home is untaxed. So it does make a very big difference on, on your compensation, but then it also gives you the opportunity to really try out different areas of the United States. And, you know, if you have the freedom to do that, do it. <laughs> you'll get paid a lot, but you'll get so many great experiences out of it too. So that's really, you know, what qualifies you as a traveler. Okay. And then, of course, I would love to have you share with us, um, in case anyone wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way to do that or to find out more if they have questions? Yeah, I would say uh, our website, first and foremost, um, therapytravelers.com. Um, but then also, too, we're really big on, on social media. That's one of our biggest pushes as well. So if you guys happen to be on Instagram, definitely follow us, Go Therapy Travelers. Um, so geo go therapy traveling, <laughs> um, because we, we share a lot of really good content in there. So it's not only getting to really see and, you know, hear who we truly are in our culture, but we have, um, weekly giveaways on Mondays. Um, we share some really great articles and it's just a good tool for therapists and, and teachers to get a feel for who we are. And I, I'll say, I know our listeners can't see it, but you're wearing the shirt that has your I motto sure that you love that pulled me over to your booth when I was walking by at Ashley. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Work, work hard, hard and, be, and kind. be kind. That is our motto. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's really what we live by. And, you know, our mission is to attract, empower, and retain so all can, you know, reach their full potential. And it's not just us internally, but externally too. So um, yeah, all positive vibes. That's what we're about. Um, yeah, so definitely our website, social media, 
and then you know obviously can contact me directly there's all that information on our website too that's wonderful well thank you so much because i know just as we touched on earlier i i've had so many questions about travel therapy over the years i've had friends who've done it but depending the company and location sometimes it's been a great experience mm. sometimes it hasn't and yeah i like your tips of doing your research and using the the technology that we have to find out more um, if you're going to look sure. into Glass that door. contract. It's a good one to go to, Glassdoor, to Glass read door. reviews. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. wonderful. So thank you, Ashley. And again, this is Ashley Hamlin um, joining us here at Speech Science. And she is a national school recruiter for Go Therapy Travelers. And you can find them at yousaidtherapytravelers.com. And then mm -hmm. tell me your Go Therapy Travelers is the name of the social media, social right? Social media, Instagram. Perfect. Yes, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Stephanie Munoz from the Informed SLP. We're all familiar with the word dose when it comes to medication. But what is therapy dose? If dose matters with the drugs we take, does it matter for speech-language therapy too? The short answer is, it depends, but there's at least some areas where the answer is a clear yes. So dose, what is it? Dose is the amount of active therapy that a client receives in a session. So for pediatric speech-language therapy, it's how many times you either expose the child to the target or have them actively produce it in a session. You can vary dose a lot depending on how intensive your sessions are. Let's imagine two children who receive two 30-minute treatment sessions per week for a year. One child hears the language target 30 times in each session, while the other child only hears it 15 times. The amount of therapy on their IEP might be the same, but consider how the difference in dose may impact their progress. In fact, a recent article by Plant and colleagues supports this idea that dose matters more than session length. They studied the effect of dose in a preschool language therapy program targeting morphology. It's called Enhanced Conversational Recast. In each recast, the clinician repeats back what the child said, but says it grammatically. So for this example, think one recast equals one unit of active therapy. In this study, half the children heard 24 recasts over 30 minutes, while the other half heard the same number of recasts in 15 minutes. The dose stayed the same, even though some children received half the therapy time. The results? It didn't matter if the children had more or less time in therapy, as long as they received the same dose or number of active therapy units. A major takeaway from the study is that we could split a pair of antsy kiddos seen together for 30 minutes into individual 15-minute sessions, and they're likely to see the same progress as long as the dose stays the same. So when we're thinking about scheduling, let's think about dose and not just session length. And then let's try to get parents and colleagues to understand why this matters. If you want some help trying to get other folks on board, consider handing out copies of this study by Plant and colleagues from the American Journal of Speech-Language Pathology. To hear more about this paper and other new research, check out our reviews on the informedslp.com. There's links to the original article, our review, and our blog post on treatment intensity in the show notes. The Informed SLP makes it easy for you to stay up to date on all of the clinically relevant research across the lifespan that comes out every month. Know what works to do what works. Mm -hmm.
welcome back to Speech Science. I almost said welcome back to Speech Therapy, episode number 110. I'm Matt Hot. My 10 pots of coffee are slowly wearing off, joined, as always, by Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? And Michelle Wintering. Hi again, Matt. Hey, y'all. So uh, we always are able to point fingers at what Asha is not doing. And my biggest gripe this week, please, Asha, fix the website so I don't have to sign in every time I order or look at a new article. But we also really like to look at the positives that Asha is doing. And one of the really cool things they're doing are these live town halls. Have you guys seen any of the info on these live town halls? I have. I've seen it pop up. I haven't been able to join one yet. So the idea is, is that it's just an opportunity for everyone to kind of log in, pose questions, get answers and do all that. Uh, last night, we are recording this on April 14th. Last night was the COVID-19 ASHA Schools Virtual Town Hall. Uh, that was from 9 to 1030. Unfortunately, the three of us were not able to do that as we were all catching up on our own versions of sleep. But I'm excited to, the the other nice thing is these are free and they're recorded. So supposedly in the next three to four days, probably by the time this episode drops and before we record the next one, uh, the COVID-19 one will be up. But you know what? At least ASHA is opening themselves up for, you know, critical responses from the masses. And is this a new thing? This uh, They've been doing town halls this year, like okay. last year. I don't know of anything before that, though. I've only seen info on it, and granted, I'm not looking for it um, in the last month or so. Yeah, I think it's definitely something for a lot of us SLPs to check out, especially if you're someone that's uh, of the belief that Asha really doesn't do enough with our with our dues payments. Uh, I think it's something to really to really check out because there's there's certainly a lot going on over there and. Rockville, Maryland. So it's so all the all the things that they're doing over there in terms of uh, making sure that a lot of SLPs are okay during this crazy time and uh, all the advocacy they do with politicians and lawmakers. Uh, it's really very interesting to see just how much goes into behind the scenes of mm -hmm. speech pathology. I, I think it's kind of hard too because like we pay them a, a nice chunk of change to keep us licensed and it's sure easy do. to kind of think like what are they doing or what are they not doing and you know it does get that line crossed a little bit between uh being an advocacy group versus being a legislative group and and sometimes it's harder to determine what is or isn't in their their scope so you know what i salute the idea of doing a town hall how's that i do too all right. So last week we changed things up a little bit. Normally at this point in the show near the end, we have a hot take where one of us gets about 60 to 90 seconds to just complain on just air 60. about something. Michelle, you don't want more than that, do you? Well, I'm just telling you, you, you saw how many questions we got in for Mike in just 60 seconds. I That's know, all you need. That was wild. So this week, what we are doing is we are doing the hot seat. And Michelle, the rules, if I am correct, because you came up with this thing last week, was? Oh, you want me to say it again? Yes. Well, you just said if you are correct. Oh, okay. So if I am correct is sure that we get 60 seconds to ask you as many questions as we can, right? That is correct. And the goal is to for me to answer as many as I can in one minute. I can pass for two reasons. Well, for any reason, but... Um, primarily if the answer would take too long and prevent you from answering more questions or if you just don't want to answer it. That's fair. I got a nice list of questions up. I'm ready to go. Uh-oh. 
So this is supposed to be a get to know each other um, and get to know the host a little more. <laughs> nice. All right. So I'm going to pull up on my timer. Here we go. Let me get 60 seconds up on the clock. All right. I am ready to go when... Oh. So what's the record? 13 questions here? We got 13 in last just week you, with you, Mike. Mike. I think, just I, 13. I, I think Michelle can beat that. All right. Okay. I got too frazzled. <laughs> ready, to, ready to ask questions, though. Oh, Look my at him. Gosh. He's like rolling up what his sleeves What is wrong now? with all of us? We have lost our darn minds, y'all. I'm just saying. So this podcast will do I'm to a you. little nervous, and I know this game. I was very nervous. All right. Whenever but, you guys are ready, Michael, you ask the first question, and then... Uh, I will start the clock. Ready? Go. What is your favorite fast food restaurant? Oh, um, Kane's Chicken. What's your favorite word? Apple. <laughs> favorite favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, black raspberry chip from Graders. What is your secret talent? I can touch my tongue to my nose. Favorite cereal? Oh, I like Lucky Charms. How do you waste time? Um, doodling. Favorite fruit? Apple. Uh, favorite movie? <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Ooh. Favorite vegetable? Carrots with dip. Which celebrity would you want to have coffee with? Ooh, that I skip. <laughs> favorite flavor of coffee? Flavor of coffee? <laughs> Caramel. <laughs> Okay. All Would right. you ever sell a kidney? Sell? No. <laughs> Favorite alcoholic drink? Bourbon. Oh. Worst thing you've ever spent money on? <laughs> Skip. <laughs> Favorite <laughs> Favorite pizza toppings? Uh, green peppers, pepperoni, and I also separate from those things like Hawaiian pizza. Best city you've ever lived in? I'm going to go with my hometown, Columbus. And Colorado Springs. Okay. How many did we get? Did any one of us keep track? <laughs> that was like 50. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure if it was 13. We'll All right. We'll have to listen to that on the playback. Play it had to have been. Oh, uh, Actually, I really like that hot seat. So I guess next week I am on the hot seat, aren't I? Episode sure 111. All right. We're bringing the hard questions for you, we dude. We are playing the outro music, so that means it is time to wrap it up. Michelle, tell me something good that is not therapy-related for the next week. Um, I am making masks. You can see my sewing machine behind me. Ooh, fun. There you go. Ish. I guess that's still not therapy-related. All right, Mike, something not therapy-related. Oh, man. I don't really. <laughs> my entire life is teletherapy now. Besides that, it's a lot of uh, a lot of sitting around. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would just say that I'm just starting to, you know, get used to everything. And uh, oh, I have a I, I'm prepping. I'm prepping for a webinar coming up soon uh, for parents to help them build some structure at home and uh, build some executive functioning during virtual homeschool. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I'll add in something to mine. We made a COVID quarantine purchase on our Walmart <laughs> run for groceries what and was it? bought a bike trailer to put my toddler in so that we oh, can go on bike rides. Fun. And he loves it. Minus the helmet. Not used to the helmet yeah. yet, but he's got to get used to wearing it. That's fair. Wait till you have to put a mask on him. I know. <laughs> he did want to put on mine the other day. Okay. So maybe. There you go. I don't think he wants to keep it on, though. He just wants to hold it there and take it off. 
for me, I got to organize and figure out which bobbleheads in my basement I'm going to sell. And also, it's not work, it's not therapy related, but it's work related. I'm in the middle of digitizing all of my speech therapy records from wow. the school year. I bought a that subscription to related. I bought a subscription to the SLP toolkit, I think it's called oh, or nice. SLP now. I don't remember which yeah. one I bought. I tried both. I like one. I think it's the toolkit. Uh, <laughs> How many um, bobbleheads do you have? That's your first hot seat question. Pre- 100 hot seat. 100? 100. But I'm going to wow. sell probably about 75 of them. Okay. It started off that I would only buy bobbleheads to like cool events in cities I've been to. And then it all of a sudden it turned into, hey, you collect bobbleheads. And it was like, uh, sort of. Oh. Matt, I thought you were going to ask me what I would name my boat because I actually had an answer. What was your boat? Boater Seize Mc- the day. S-E-A-S. Oh. I'm watching McMillions, guys, by the way. And that is something you guys need to watch. And we'll talk more about that next week. Our, we want to hear from you. <laughs> Contact us at speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, 614-681-1798, or text message that same number, or join us on the Discord. It's discord.speechsciencepodcast.com, or hashtag it up, sspod. Our opening music was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share like license. I also finally put together a new opening there. Uh, our bump music is the County Fair Rock copyright of John Deku. Find all his music at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music. Undertones for our friends over at the Informed SLP is At The Count by Broke For Free. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. And our closing music, it's the Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. That's also licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, be a willow because the oak while looking strong, will crack under pressure. The willow will bend and return to form. For fellow willows, Michelle Wintering, Michael McLeod, I'm Matt Hot. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been an Exceptional Podcast Network production. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.